Hi, everybody who is interested in prophecy on this January day. It's cold outside, um, but I want to talk to you today about some great things that are coming up in your future and in mine, hopefully. In Jeremiah 33.3, that's an odd scripture to start with, in that um, I've never actually heard it used, but he says, call unto me, and this is, if you back up to verse 2, this is Jehovah, the Lord, L-O-R-D, all caps in the King James, call unto me and I will answer you, show and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Wow. Verse 4, For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which are thrown down by the mounts and by the sword. And in verse 6, Behold, I will bring it health and a cure, and I will cure them and will reveal unto them abundance of peace and truth. Unquote. Wow. Here God is predicting a time when he's on the earth healing people, healing the land, bringing a cure. Can you imagine going to a nursing home, as I do very often, since my wife is in a nursing home. I visit her most every day, including tonight. We just passed our 48th wedding anniversary, by the way. And that's been a long series of miracles for two teens that ran off together and got married. So anyway, but that's neither here nor there at the moment. But there will come a day when he's bringing truth and peace in abundance. That is so cool. In chapter 31 of Jeremiah, in verse 30, uh, 34, he says something very significant. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was an husband to them. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, and after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And get verse 34, too. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor. Go, go not from house to house. That's what Jesus said. And every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. And I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Unquote. 
He says something very similar in Isaiah 11 and verse 9. We'll go there. Isaiah 11 and verse 9. He says, They shall not hurt nor destroy. And uh, who is that? The poisonous snakes, the bears, um, other animals, young lions and such. They shall not hurt nor shall they destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wow. Verse 10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse. In other words, an offspring of Jesse, i.e. Jesus, which shall stand as a sign for the people, and to him shall the Gentile nations seek, and his resting place shall be glorious. Wow. We haven't been to Micah in a while. Let's go there. Micah 7 and verse 18. It's the next book right after the book of Jonah in the Minor Prophets. It's about two-thirds of the way into the Bible. Uh, chapter 7 of Micah, verse 18, says, Who is a God like unto you that pardons iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retains not his anger forever, because he delights in mercy. Did you know that? God delights in mercy. In Exodus chapter 15, and starting in verse 11, we read, Who is like unto you, O Lord, among the gods, little g gods, that is, who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in his praises, and doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed the enemies of God, says them, but he's talking about destroying the enemies in verse 9. And then in verse 13, You in your mercy has led forth the people which you have redeemed or bought back or made the most of, and have guided them in your strength unto your holy habitation, that people shall hear and be afraid. There's such a thing as a righteous fear, which is a good fear to have for one who is the most powerful being in the universe. If God can build worlds and sustain them over the course of possibly billions of years, then he's one to be feared, wouldn't you say? Well, I would. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Now, Philistia is Gaza, basically, that little tiny strip. The dukes, then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, and the mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. 
fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of your arm. They shall be as still as a stone. Till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over, which you have purchased. You shall bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for yourself to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. He's coming to the earth. It's not like we're going out there, at least not in the form we're in. So we've seen that God delights in mercy, even though he is a strong, powerful God, and there is none like him. We've seen that the earth shall be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as water covering the sea. Here's something interesting in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Starting verse 29, 1229 of Deuteronomy says this. Starting verse 29, we're going to go to 32. When the Lord your God shall cut off the nations from before you where you go to possess them, and you succeed them and dwell in their land, take heed to yourself that you be not ensnared by following them, and after they be destroyed from before you, that you don't inquire after their little g-gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so, I'm going to do just like that. You shall not do so to the Lord your God, for every abomination to the Lord, which he hates, They have done unto their gods. For even their sons and daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. What a shame and a disgrace to any people. Human sacrifice, burning your children, can you imagine that? It's so evil. Whatsoever thing I commanded you, observe to do that. And you shall not add thereto nor diminish from it. Unquote. We should not follow after other gods and inquire, how did they worship their gods? Let's do it like that. That's dumb. That's really, really dumb, and it's evil. In verse 11 in chapter 13, he says, And all Israel shall listen and be afraid and shall do no more any such wickedness as this is among you. People say that the death penalty is no deterrent to crime. I disagree with that completely. Now, the death penalty is, to me, a definite deterrent. So that kind of takes us back to the series I did on the uh, idea of an ever-burning hellfire where people go to live for all eternity in dumb anguish without relief. God's not like that. If he wouldn't even kill a a child or a person, uh, an older person, in uh, a a fire, 
like this, like they used to burn to Moloch. Have you ever heard of that, Moloch? Moloch reportedly was a, a uh, an iron god, a molten image they set up with a hole in its belly, and they would set a big bonfire inside that belly, and they would put their screaming children into that thing and kill them there as sacrifice to this god, little G, of course. But he's no god. He's dumb. He can't see. He can't talk. He can't move. He can't heal. He can't do anything except look stupid. It's the god of Baal. It is an idol, and it's worshipped by idol-worshipping people. Now, to me, that's really, really stupid. It's really, really stupid. And yet, anything that gets between us and the one true God, Jehovah, Y-H-V-H, Yahweh, the Lord, is an idol. And it could be anything from money to uh, people to uh, houses or lands or fortunes or whatever, even jobs. But he says, you shall not do this unto the Lord your God. So, How could God turn around and be a hypocrite and do that to us? No, it's just not so and not real. It's a doctrine of devils. And we've been following that for years, for centuries. Shame on the church for that. We need to look into the scriptures and study them, you know, very um, carefully and follow where they lead, not where we want them to go. Heaven and earth will not be replaced, but renewed. A lot of people, there's one denomination I'm thinking of, they believe that the earth is going to be, uh, well, they're first going to rapture off the Christians, and then they're, they're going to burn everybody else. And the earth will become a molten mass for a thousand years. But the Bible says no such thing at all. No, not so. But let's go to Isaiah 45 for a moment. In um, in 54, verse 5, and we'll, we'll go to the other one in a minute, 45, but in 54, verse 5, For your maker is your husband, And the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, he shall be called. Wow. Everyone on earth will worship him? No more foreign gods on earth? Wow. That'll be great. Look forward to that day, that's for sure. Now in 45 starting in 17, but Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed nor confounded, world without end. For thus says the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he established it, um, he created it, not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. 
How clear. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no one else. I have not spoken in secret, nor in a dark place in the earth. I said it not just unto the seed of Jacob, or I said not unto the seed of Jacob, Seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness, and I declare things that are right. Unquote. Now let's go to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians, and take a look there for a second. Galatians, Ephesians 3, 21. Last verse in that chapter. Unto him, that is, unto God or Jesus, unto him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. The world isn't going to be molded or molten for a thousand years. It's going to not end. Now, will it be destroyed? Wrecked, in other words? Yes. Why? Well, because humans are going to make the whole place uh, wrecked. Now, how do I mean? I'm going to tell it to you in a nutshell, real quick-like. There's going to be a war, and this is based on many, many, many scriptures in the Middle East. It's going to be over Israel. And the factions between the Shiites and the Sunnis, the two different factions of uh, Islam. And the war is going to drop bombs, if you ask me, there will probably be hydrogen weapons, on the oil fields. This is based on... Um, Joel 2 and uh, Zechariah 14 and uh, especially chapter 34 of the book of Isaiah. And we're going to go there in a, in a minute. But unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ, world without end and throughout all generations. So the world isn't going to go anywhere. It's going to need remodeling real bad. Now let's go to chapter 34. Come near, you nations, starting in verse 1, and hear. Now this is talking about everybody, all nations. And listen, you people, let the earth hear, and all, all that therein is. The world and all things that come forth from it. He is calling out to everyone, you and me and all our loved ones. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations and his fury upon all their armies. Not on all their people, not on all their businesses, not on all their infrastructure or government even but upon all their armies. And he has utterly destroyed them and has delivered them to the slaughter. They're going to die and be dead and gone and off the earth. 
their slain shall also be cast out, and their stink shall come up from their carcasses, their dead bodies, and the mountains shall be melted or covered with their blood. And you can read the rest of this. Uh, I wanted to find a place where it's, it talks about darkness. Yes, okay, verse 9. Well, verse 8. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompenses for the controversy over Jerusalem or Israel. Verse 9, and the streets there, or streams thereof, and this is talking about the land of Idumea, which is all around Israel. The uh, streams thereof shall be turned into pitch. Now that means Saudi Arabia, that means Iran, Iraq, Turkey, um, that whole region, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Omar. Oman, uh, the UAR, that whole region. The streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust into uh, thereof shall be turned into brimstone, and the land shall become burning pitch. Now, if you've ever burned motor oil, you know that it burns with this tremendous black smoke. It's very, very ugly. It shall not be quenched night or day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. Unquote. And you can study lots and lots of other places. Matthew 24, verse 29, Revelation 14, 11, Revelation 18, 18. And 13.10 of um, the book of Isaiah here. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amoz, did see, lift up a banner upon the high mountain and exalt a voice unto them, Shake your hand, that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones, and I have called my mighty ones for my anger. The noise of the multitude of, um, in the mountains is as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of kingdoms gathered together. The Lord of hosts musters the host of the battle. Get this next verse, verse 5. And this is, again, chapter 13 of Isaiah. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Whoa. Sounds like Ezekiel 38. How will you for the day of the Lord is at hand? It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty, like he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart melt with fear. They shall be afraid, and pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger. Now, if you were the creator of all people, and all lands, and the oil, and everything on earth, 
Wouldn't you be angry if somebody destroyed it? He has a very distinct right to be angry. So behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. Why? Well, because of the smoke. Makes sense to me. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to stop, and lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious or rare than fine gold. Wow. Therefore, in verse 13, I will shake the heavens and the earth to remove her out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. Wow. As you can see, it's all over the place. It's all over, it's through and through the Bible. Let's go to Revelation 9 and verse 2. It's about the most clear and uh, direct statement in the whole Bible about this, this darkness thing. Here's what he says. This is John, John 9 and verse 2. He opened the bottomless pit. What do you think that oil is referred to? The bottomless pit. It's full of oil, asphalt natural gas, etc. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as a smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. It doesn't get in any clearer language than that. And that's a pretty scary thing. But he's coming to save the earth, to stop the fire, to clear the skies from the smoke, to restore everything. Let me show you another scripture about that. Acts 3.21 says, it talks about this restoration or restitution, restoring life on planet earth. Let's start in verse 19, and this is, again, Acts 3. Repent you, therefore, and be converted. Turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. He's coming to save planet Earth. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which was preached unto you before whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Wow. If you want a very encouraging chapter to read, read chapter 35 of Isaiah. Chapter 34 is the gloom and doom side But he says, seek out the book of the Lord and read, 
not one of these, in other words, one of these words or prophecies, none shall want her mate, for my mouth has commanded it, and his spirit has gathered them. So listen to this, starting in chapter 35. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom excuse me, as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, and the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen then the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say then, say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong and don't be afraid. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and your God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Even in the Old Testament, Jesus is the Savior of the world. You can read the rest of this, but it's very, very encouraging. The last verse in chapter 35 says this, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. We'll talk again, God willing. Look for I look forward to that very much, but until then, you can go to my website, I tell why.com or jesusiswhy.com take it at the same place you can read my books there i'm working on another one at least it's brewing in my head but until next time this is albert hardy have a great day